0: Hi friends, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And the project is, yes, it's to work through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. So you're very, very welcome. Uh, If you're here for the first time, I'd just like to tell you that uh, I include a full transcript of everything I say in the episode notes on each and every podcast. So it doesn't really matter which podcast provider you're using, wherever you're using to catch your podcasts, to get them from, There should be the episode notes there. And if you'd like to join us on this entire journey through the whole Bible, why not click subscribe? And that way you won't miss a single episode. And you'll also find links there to other ways that you can connect my ministry and find other resources that I make available on other platforms. I'll tell you a little bit more about that when I see you at the end. But that's it for now. Bye for now. And we'll launch off into today's main text. okay here we go we're continuing on another beatitude here the third blessing and it's contained within verse five which tells us blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth who are the meek what do you think now we usually think the strong and the powerful are the people who control the world to be on top it seems the world suggests that you need to be aggressive maybe even a bit arrogant Sometimes, doesn't it feel like the world is run by the powerful and the manipulative? We look around the world, we see military dictators, political and national leaders who care more about their own power than they do the people they're called to govern. Despots. Even in business, we see wealthy businessmen controlling and manipulating markets and others. And in some cases, we can see people like kingpins in organised crime and drug lords gang leaders having tremendous power and control over the communities in which they live? Sometimes it seems to me that these sort of people seem to control the whole world. How then can Jesus possibly say the meek shall inherit the earth? Not the powerful. This is indeed an upside down way of looking at the world. Some might say it's even a revolutionary way of looking at the world. It's not the powerful, Jesus says, it's the meek that are going to inherit the earth. In 1940, a famous sports coach in the USA called Leo Doucher came up with the strapline, nice guys, finish last. And it has to be said that most people believe today, not just in sport, but in everyday life. So the question remains, what is this meekness? What is it exactly Jesus is talking about here? Because he's telling us that the meek will inherit the earth. Is meekness the same thing as weakness? Well, to cut to the chase, I would categorically say no, it's not. Meekness is not weakness, but we do need to understand what it actually is, what Jesus is actually talking about. So let's take a little time and talk about this word in the Bible that is translated for us in most versions of the Bible as the word meek. Sometimes in more modern translation, it's gentle, but usually the term used is meek. Well, as a matter of fact, this word has all sorts of layers of meaning attached to it, which is why different words are used in different modern translations, because it's almost untranslatable with one single modern word. There's no one English word that captures all that this word is meant to convey. But let me just take a moment and give you a few steps in helping us approach it. The greek word seems to mean many things it means gentle it means to be humble it also means to be courteous and considerate to be kind all these are aspects contained within this one word meek that jesus uses here the idea behind this word is a combination of gentleness and humility now i prefer the translation meek used in many translations of the Bible to that of Gentile, which is used in some of the more recent translations. But like I said, no modern English word captures its entire essence. In fact, there's another word that is also sometimes translated in the New Testament as meek, which also has within it the idea of being fair contained within it. One of my favorite translations of this word is a rare one but a few versions of the bible say and it says let your sweet reasonableness be known to all people so let me suggest that there are so many nuances in this word that I think rather than try and tie it down to one I think it's been just best to give them all to you so you can get a real sense of the depth of meaning of the word that Jesus used. Another useful little thing to do is to take a moment and let me show you a way the Greeks used this word, which was also had an idea of a submissive spirit, but perhaps not in the way that you would normally think of the word submissive. During the Polynesian war, a soldier wrote to his fiance about a white stallion he had bought and was going to give her when he returned. He said the horse is, and now I'm quoting, it responds obediently to the slightest command. He allows his owner to direct him to his full potential and then he added this is a wonderfully meek horse. So for me that sort of captures this idea of meekness. It's not weakness it's about strength but strength being held under control with humility. It's strength but strength under control. Now in the Old Testament, in the Exodus story, Moses is sometimes actually called meek. In fact, in one verse, he's described as the meekest man in the land. Do you really think Moses was weak? He is the one who stood before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh was a despot. Nobody else was prepared to do that. He may have had a meekness about him, but he certainly wasn't anything in any way what we would describe as weak. And one of the main things that categorised Jesus himself was his meekness. It's a term used of him several times in the New Testament. Yet remember, he's the one who stood up to the Pharisees and he's the one who kicked over the tables of the moneylenders and drove the profiteers out of the temple. Does that sound like someone that's weak to you? Not to me anyway. So there is an element of submission in it. So submissive, yes, but submissive to the Lord moses was submissive to the lord jesus was submissive to the will of his father that's what made them meek but they certainly were not weak it's about having a gentleness a submissiveness of spirit a gentle spirit aristotle had an interesting way of defining words he would talk about the medium between two extremes for example on one extreme he would talk about a spendthrift. And then in the other extreme, there there is a miser. And he would put in the middle, the median, the average, sensibly generous person. Aristotle dealt with the word meek in the same way in that he said it represented the medium between anger on one hand and listlessness on the other hand. In other words, it wasn't too much anger. It wasn't an outburst of uncontrolled anger, but it also wasn't a complete Lack of righteous anger. It was a mild anger, but only when it was appropriate. So, meekness is a mild but firm, controlled spirit that is not inclined to outbursts of anger. So, all of this is going on with this word meek, and we are told that, uh, well, if we can live this way, and as I said before, we can personally develop these characteristics if we can develop an abundance of this particular characteristics, then what we are told by Jesus himself here is that we'll get something. We will be blessed. And look at verse 5 and it tells us how we will be blessed. It tells us that those of us who are meek shall inherit the earth. Like I said, I thought it was the powerful and the power seekers who were going to inherit the earth. That certainly it appears to be now, but that's not so. That's not how it's going to be in the long run. As a matter of fact, if you think about it and think about history, you had the Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Babylonians and the Romans. They all dominated the earth for a while, but they were all overthrown and came crashing down. In modern times, we can say the same thing of Napoleon, Hitler, Stalin, Mao Zedong, they all conquered their parts of the world for a while and even tried to spread their hateful ideologies and control over huge populations beyond their borders, but they all fell very quickly. The Hitler regime in 1940 screamed to the world that the Third Reich would last a thousand years and it was gone five years later. The powerful may appear to inherit the earth for a while, but it's in an illusion, and their tower of Babel will come crumbling down, and it's not the powerful that shall really inherit the earth. It's the meek, as Jesus said, but it may not be right now, but it will come, and it will come later, and it will come fully. As a matter of fact, just as inside, even in the animal kingdom, the powerful appear to rule but it is today the powerful that are under threat if you think of the lion the tiger the eagle they are all at the top of the hierarchy of their domains right yet all three of those are currently endangered species so in many ways it's not the powerful even today that inherit the earth although it might appear that way for a while it's certainly what's not going to happen for them in the wrong run And Jesus tells us here that in fact it is the meek that shall inherit the earth. Now I think this is ultimately a reference to the second coming of Christ in the millennium because when the Lord comes back, those who are poor in spirit, those who know how to mourn properly, those who are meek and gentle, they're going to be the ones that will inherit the earth and will rule and reign with the King of kings and Prince of peace. Now the powerful today may fight to get to the head of the queue or the best table at a restaurant or become angry when they don't get the best seat at an important event. But the truth is that it is what is on the inside that really counts. Isn't it so often the case that power hungry people are often miserable people and they end up with ulcers, strokes or even heart attacks? But Jesus is telling us here that the meek will inherit the earth gentle mild people who don't easily get angry who enjoy life by caring about other people will end up ultimately happy but not just happy but inheriting the earth Now, maybe i should just pause for a moment and say a little about this thing inheritance because we are told that the meek shall inherit the earth now it's a tricky word in the bible and it's true that if you're saved then in a sense you inherit eternal life straight away the moment you saved. That is true. But in the Old Testament, there's also this idea that there is an inheritance whereby there is a double portion awaiting the firstborn. The oldest gets twice what the others do, indicating in a sense that there are two types of inheritance. And I think this is what's been going on here a little bit it's referring to both types of inheritance the inheritance we get when we gain heaven when we are saved but also there is a kind of inheritance that talks about the rewards we will receive in eternity our greatest rewards are going to come to us in heaven when we stand before the lord and as matthew 20 in chapter 25 will tell us he will say well done good and faithful servant You have been faithful with a few things and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness." So we are going to be greatly blessed, not only in this world with the gift of eternal life, but in the sense that there are additional rewards awaiting us in eternity. Okay, we've only done one verse here, but we've had to wade through a lot of stuff. So let me just summarize where we're up to so far on these Beatitudes. I've given you three, uh, three Beatitudes which are discussing three attributes that people can develop, and if they develop them, they will be blessed. So three so far, and five more still to come. Number one was to be poor in spirit. What does that mean? It meant to come to God with no spiritual resources of your own, dependent on the Lord, for all that you get. Number two was to, was blessed to those who mourn. In other words, to identify the things in your life that should cause you grief and mourn about them and learn how to mourn about them for yourself and hand them over to the Lord so that he can deal with them and grant you forgiveness for those things. And by doing that, that an additional side gift of that is you may very well then be able to help others who are struggling with the same thing that caused you to mourn. And then three hear now, be gentle be meek. Is it possible that all these three things are related? Think about it. Think about being poor in spirit. If we stand before God and recognise our lack of spiritual resources and depend on him then the emotional outgrowth of that spiritual poverty is the ability to grieve over our own sin and thereby be comforted by God. And out of that sense of forgiveness and should come a spirit of thankfulness, a spirit of humility, of gentleness. And if we flip it, someone who's not dependent on the Lord will very likely have an arrogant attitude one of defiance and rebellion and they won't even begin to know how to empathize with other people they won't grieve their own sins instead they'll tend to concentrate on being angry about the perceived sins of others are these people thereby gentle meek absolutely not they can't be they're the sort of people who want to lash out at other people and they're the sort of people that we should create a distance from. You see the problem for them, maybe they don't think they have a problem, it's certainly not for them in the now, but when the Lord comes back they're going to have a big problem because when the Lord comes back they're going to have to give an account to him. Now I want to finish today by trying to put something into focus because I believe it's critical for not only what I've said today but it's going to be absolutely vital for what we're going to see and discover as we read through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. You remember at the start I began by asking who does God bless and I quoted my childhood talks with my friends about all these people who appeared to be blessed because they were what was called good living. But you know what? Maybe my friend and I were right. Maybe we recognized that there was a benefit of living the right way. Not like a Pharisee and by following a set of religious rules and demonstrating to the world your external righteousness. Because if you do that, you will also miss what those Pharisees missed 2,000 years ago. They put all the emphasis on external righteousness, looking good on the outside. But Jesus here is saying, it's not about looking good. This is about being good and living good. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are the meek and gentle. And these are all about internal righteousness. These are the type of things that a person, the characteristics that a person, if they develop, will begin to be truly blessed by God. Now I grew up in a fairly rural area on the outskirts of Bedfast and in the summer holidays I worked on a farm. Well I say I worked on a farm. We used to stay uh, in the summer holidays in a, mo- in a caravan we had about 20 miles away into the country and the local farmer would let the children work for him on the caravan site. And we all did it for free because we wanted to do it and he used to pick children each day to do jobs, jobs that today with health and safety would never allow children to do. And my brother he also did that and then when he got a little bit older he went and spent his summers working on another farm nearby which was run by a family. They were actually brethren Christians uh, uh, by the way. Now I knew, I remember meeting that chap several times and I was there one time when they brought the harvest in with a combine harvester and I remember him saying to me, you should always live a life where you feel you can hold your head up. Do not let seeking the approval of others push you round and neither let your head be filled with foolish pride by trying to project onto others just how good you are. And the illustration he used is, see he said the fields are ripe and ready for harvest that's an interesting one because I now recognize where he got that from. The heads of the grain are ready, he said, for the harvest, for the combine harvester to go out when they're standing up straight. Only when the heads are full and are right stood up are they ready for harvest. Those, If they're left, those heads will become too heavy and will bend under the weight of it. And left to their own devices, they will become too full and they will begin to collapse under their own weight. Brought down low, and then they can't be brought in at the harvest. So we too should be thankful for this guidance of how we can develop these godly characteristics so that we too can be blessed and not brought down by a false sense of our own righteousness. So we can be thankful. We can not only be thankful for the insurance that the Bible teaches us that Jesus is coming back And he's coming back to bring us home to be with him. But that this teaching will help us inherit the blessings, not just today, but blessings that will come to us in the future, in eternity. And we can do that by being aware of our own poverty of spirit, help us to see those things that we should regret and repent about, grieve, and then also help us develop a meek and gentle spirit in our approach to everything out of a sense of thankfulness for what God has done for that. Because when we are weak, he can come in and make us strong. Meek, not weak. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me. As I said at the beginning, there's lots of links in the episode notes to other ways you can connect with my ministry. I put other more formal discipleship type courses, sometimes on Patreon, sometimes on LinkedIn, sometimes on YouTube also. So there are ways you can connect to those things there by clicking through in the episode notes also as this daily bible project progresses because we're well over 400 episodes now and we're in our third season we've done an overview season we've done the entire book of genesis when i well into matthew clearly as it goes further and further and more books are covered it will get harder and harder for people to navigate or find their way back back to the start without having to scroll through hundreds of podcasts so what i'm doing now is I'm putting the teaching into larger longer format settings and using the audio to create complete chapter teachings and then sorting them by book within my YouTube channel. So as we go on each season will have its own its own set of studies contained within uh, the YouTube playlist so you will hopefully be able to find and navigate your way through things much more easily there as things get by nature longer more fuller and perhaps a little bit more complicated to find your way through so lord willing if our reason allows me to continue this work for as long we will of course eventually end up one day having 66 seasons so you'll need a way to find your way to individual uh, stuff that you might want to access but you know what it's all in the lord's hands I'm good with that. I would ask if you feel that you are benefiting from making the rhythm, the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of your daily lives, then you would consider sharing or liking this teaching with others. So other people too can make that decision to make the Bible part of every day for them. So that they too may be blessed by what it can teach us and how it can change us. Well, there we go. Thanks again for joining me. I do so appreciate that there's so many of us now on this journey together through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And that's it for today. And I'll see you right back here tomorrow, I trust, on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.